we are here to discuss uh, what uh, about debt mutual funds as well as opportunities in fixed income AIFs. So debt mutual funds and fixed income alternative funds are two types of investment options that provide exposure to fixed income securities. While they share some similarity, there are uh, there are also some key differences between the two. The un uh, let's understand the difference between the two uh, and the different op opportunities uh, brought to us by none other than Mr. Saurabh Jalaria, CIO of Alternative Credit Strategies at Incred Capital which is an Indian-focused international platform, institutional platform that advises clients on some of the largest and the most significant business transactions in India across sectors. Let me also take a moment to introduce Mr. Saurabh. Mr. Saurabh comes with 20 years of rich experience in the financial services across lending products, structuring, business planning, and building distribution. Over. Now I'll be handing over the mic to Mr. Vikas Agarwal, who will in turn be handing over the mic to Mr. Saurabh Jalaria. Over to you, sir. Okay. Uh, hello, Saurabh. Hi. How are you? Hi, Vikas. Can you you can hear me, right? Yes, loud and clear. All right, great. So, uh, Saurabh, you know this AIF and PMS Conclave One is basically an attempt to educate and empower the investor community more about alternate investing and portfolio management services. You know, you've seen that the way the global trend is, the way globally alternate investment funds are shaping up, they're only growing in terms of size. If I have to quantify in terms of numbers, then it is close to $12 trillion. You know, vis-a-vis uh, uh, -vis in India, it just began the journey, like we're only hardly $60, $65 billion. So long way to go. So what has happened is there are two or three things that I want to just uh, request. One is if you can, Simplify your presentation for the benefit of our audience because some of them uh, have good amount of network but have joined the session for the first time and would like this simplification to be done. So that's my one request. Second is if you can talk about you know generally in India uh, historically you you see Indian we are overweight in infrastructure. I mean real estate as an asset class. We we are now getting towards equity, but fixed income portion is also equally big in India and. Uh, you know, people used to invest heavily in mutual funds because of the indexation benefit. And but from 1st of April, that is also sort of gone away uh, due to some regulations which is issued by the regulator here. So, so with that proposition, they have the habit of making fixed in, uh, instrument returns. Uh, so, vis-a-vis uh, -vis that, what options do they have and what options they can explore through AIFs where they can generate either similar or maybe slightly higher returns. Uh, so with that thought process, uh, I would request you to please uh, take over the stage and the uh, entire floor and all yours. Please pick up your 20 minutes to go and then we'll have Q&A. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Vikas, for uh, inviting me and having me over. And good afternoon to all the viewers and people who are listening in. Um, as Vikas said, I've got uh, 20 plus years experience in fixed income, which largely consists of lending. Um, I've done lending of all kinds, lending to promoters, lending to corporates, lending to financial sponsors, um, lending to mid-market companies, lending to retail. So sort of wide range of lending sort of uh, businesses that I've run in my career. Before this, I spent 13 years at Deutsche Bank. And now for the last seven years, as part of the Incred group, we started uh, our operations back in 2016. Uh, the topic that I want to cover was just the opportunities in debt AIFs. And if you just look at the fixed income space, it consists of 
the risk-free segment, which is your bank fixed deposits, your uh, money market funds. Uh, I mean, it's still risky because you could have a bank, uh, you know, kind of going under and maybe you could lose your savings, but let's say very, very unlikely scenario. And then most of the debt AIFs cater to slightly higher risk customers within the debt space, but where the returns are also significantly higher for the risk that investors are carrying. And my my uh, um, endeavor in the next 20 odd minutes will be to educate you on what kind of opportunities exist for debt AIF, especially people are looking for higher yield within the debt space. So I think the first uh, point that uh, we wanted to cover was just in terms of Indian credit markets, which is the lending business. What are the demand supply dynamics? I'll cover um, the fixed income options that are available for investors. Then I'll cover the debt AIFs, which is innovating and sort of a lot more interesting products are coming up uh, from different houses. It could be alternative platforms like Incred, or it could also be a regular mutual fund platforms that are also launching debt AIFs as part of their alternative strategy. And finally, I'll have some closing remarks in terms of where we think the right risk reward is for investors amongst the various options that I will discuss. I think um, just a few macroeconomic slides, which is India is a fairly underpenetrated credit market. If you look at most of our peers in uh, in uh, whether it's the developing markets like uh, Russia or Brazil or, or even China, the credit penetration is significantly higher compared to India. India generally tends to be a risk averse country as far as borrowings are concerned. And also the second is uh, a lot of the government backed entities borrowings are not considered here as pride of part of the private debt. Whereas in a lot of these countries outside India, the government does not own significant assets. It's owned under, under the private sector. Uh, broadly, if you look at who delivers this credit into India, it's largely the banks and NDFCs that provide 75% of the credit. For most of the investors, they are unable to access this credit directly um, uh, because the banks are NBFCs are, are sort of responsible for 75% of credit investment that happens in the country. Uh, broadly, when we see what is going on and what are banks and NBFCs focused on, we see two trends. One, most NBFCs are now focused on retail lending. They're focused on small ticket loans like uh, consumer loans, credit uh, uh, revolvers, auto loan, uh, uh, housing loans, etc. Whereas the banks, when they lend to corporates, they are focused on the better rated corporates, the triple A's of the country, the double A corporate of the country. But the vast majority of the emerging corporates, smaller corporates, which are rated a little lower than the triple A's and the double A's, find it difficult to raise credit from the banks as well as NBFCs. So that's just the macro trend, years and years of data that's kind of indicating it. Equally, if you look at the supply from mutual fund, as far as credit is concerned, is actually shrinking. Uh, we all knew of a large fund that sort of had its issues in its credit fund a few years back. Uh, one of the reasons is because the fund was an open-ended fund, uh, whereas because when you invest in credit instruments or you invest in in in, uh, in debentures of a company, they tend to be less liquid and you have to hold it to maturity, which is why a close-ended format makes a lot of sense for this asset class versus an open-ended format like a debt mutual fund. And as a result of which, even the AUM that mutual funds own as far as credit risk funds is concerned, has shrunk to almost 2% uh, in the month of December. Broadly, if you look at space of <clears throat> what are the different risk reward as far as credit is concerned. So on the extreme left, when you look at in the year 2017, people who are lending to the single A plus to the triple A, the least risky segment, which yields about 
that market has not changed. On the extreme right-hand side, the highest form of risk, which is the special situation, venture debt, uh, funds which are focused on distressed debt opportunities, that market has also not changed. But the middle segment, the 13 to 18% range, where a lot of these mid-sized corporates are there, the unrated but good companies are there, that's seen a significant transition where both the private banks and NBFCs and some mutual funds that used to operate in this space have disappeared. And what it leaves behind is obviously some foreign investors and a plethora of AIFs within the country that's addressing this gap of 13 to 18% lending rates to the segment of A minus till the unrated segment. So this is a big trend change in the last sort of four, five, six years and a trend that we think will continue. Um, just in terms of what are the options available to investors for fixed income, right? For debt. On the extreme left hand side, you have the sovereign debt, the GSEX. Um, it's yielding currently at 7.2%. Uh, obviously, it depends on what tenor we're talking about. But let's say a similar tenor, a three to five year tenor, you'll make a 7.2% return if you invest in a GSEC or any fund that sort of invests in GSEX. Then you've got the bank FDs, which yield anywhere between six to seven and a half percent if you are able to, again, lock in for a certain period of time. Then you have the corporate NCDs, the AAA and the AA rated NCDs that yield anywhere between seven and a half to nine, nine and a half percent. You obviously have the corporate bond funds, the credit risk funds, which largely, again, focus on the AAA. But given the fees and expenses in these funds, net returns obviously reduces. But these funds also offer you a diversification where you're not investing in a single corporate entity, but in a bunch of corporate entities. And the fund manager then charges a fees to justify the risk diversification. And the yields would then be slightly lower than if you were investing into a one single entity. And then the Bharat Bond ETF, which we all know has been an extremely successful product, which kind of uh, tracks some of these things and is yielding about 7.6. On the extreme right-hand side are the debt AIS in the country, which are yielding anywhere between 12 to 15%. All of this is on a post fees and expenses basis for the illiquidity that you take. Now, the big difference between AIF and all these other instruments is are that other debt instruments are liquid in nature. You can deposit your money, you can buy an NCD, you can uh, invest in a mutual fund. But if you want redemption and uh, let's take taxes out for now, you can get your liquidity in a month, in a day, depends on what the liquidity pattern of that instrument is. Whereas a debt AIF will be a locked up instrument. You'll have to commit your money for a period of three years, five years, seven years, depending on what the AIF strategy is. And in return for that illiquidity, the fund delivers you a higher return as far as uh, the, the net return uh, after expenses is concerned. Um, one of the reasons why debt AIFs were also tracking a higher return was on account of one is the liquidity aspect, which I've highlighted as number two here, which is the 2% rough number that we think investors should ask for in investing in an unlisted or in a liquid fund versus a rated or a highly rated or a liquid uh, instrument. And about 1.5% debt mutual funds had an advantage because of the taxation that after three years, debt mutual funds would classify for a capital gains taxes. That is the debt AIS all in the, in the category two all get taxed at the marginal tax rate of the investor. So just to compare between a debt mutual fund and a debt AIF, the debt AIF had to make 1.5% more plus the 2% more on account of illiquidity compared to a regular mutual fund or a single name entity. Now what's happened as uh, Vikas was just alluding to a little earlier, now that taxation uh, disparity is gone. 
there is no more advantage of investing in a debt mutual fund and keeping it for three years as far as taxes is concerned. And hence, what's going to happen is the trigger or the threshold which the mutual funds, um, the outperformance that the debt AIFs have to do over mutual fund is now only 2% because the taxation element has now been taken out of this picture, which makes tax parity for all mutual funds or AIFs in this country. As a result of which, uh, when we compare an open-ended mutual fund, a traditional bond, MLD, uh, or a debt AIF, we think there is not much to select as far as taxation is concerned. But the difference obviously is the illiquidity and a higher return that the debt AIF offers versus an open-ended mutual fund. Uh, similarly, if you look at the category, the category two debt AIF market itself is consistently growing. Uh, the chart on the right hand side below will just give you the total AUM in a category two uh, AIF class in the last sort of four years. It's, it's consistently increasing. And the returns that these funds have been able to generate, this is a crystal data and we have data only for FY20 vintages because it's a fund launched in FY20. Through the years, they've been tracking about 11-12% post fees and expenses, which is significantly higher than most debt mutual funds are concerned, even adjusted for liquidity. Um, we look at um, one of the other things that I wanted to cover was, so what is happening? What kind of debt AIFs are being launched? What kind of risk returns are they offering for you or for your investors? It's worth sort of digging deeper. What do debt AIFs typically provide? Debt AIF typically provides either a working capital or a capital expenditure related uh, uh, debt to a corporate or this could be relevant as far as equity consolidation any restructuring any term out structure or it could be an event linked debt which is for a bridge financing or some sort of an MA financing uh, where banks don't lend for whatever reason they might not lend because they think the end use uh, rbi does not permit a bank might not lend because the risk of this corporate is higher. A bank might not lend because a corporate might be looking to have a more back-ended repayment versus a front-ended repayment. So any kind of bespoke solution that a corporate needs either because of the use or because of the repayment or because of collateral it offers or just a stage of the company becomes what is the mandate of all debt AIs. And there are many, many ways in which debt AIs operate, but largely a lot of these will work as a quasi-equity return funds in some cases. Some cases, it's just a fixed return fund where we will lend money to a corporate and the corporate must pay us 15%, 17%, 13%, 19%. Or we lend money to a corporate. The corporate must pay us 12% fixed return and maybe some upside linked to either cash flows or equity performance where the lender can also make some sort of a return linked to the event that they are looking to finance. Broadly, the debt AIFs we divided into five different sectors. Uh, there are debt funds which focus on lending to financial institutions, other NBFCs. And we've tried to put the range in terms of what uh, net IRR these funds are targeting. That's about 11 to 14%. The second segment is the emerging corporate credit fund, which, we cons which consists of uh, largely um, funds lending to the emerging corporates in the country. They target anywhere between 13 to 18%. As I mentioned, they could be a fixed return or there could be some warrant or equity upside linked to their performance. Then is the established corporate credit fund, which could be lending depend on what is the use case of the fund. Is it for acquisition finance? Is it for term out of the debt, which could be yielding anywhere between 11 to 17. And then you've got the real estate funds and it goes all the way from a construction finance, which is or inventory finance, which is a low risk fund 
to a land bank acquisition or early stages of a land bank, which yields anywhere between 12 to 19%. So a very wide range of real estate funds, uh, depending on what exactly are they looking to do. And then the special situations venture debt funds that provides the highest return because of the highest risk that these funds carry. So you have a plethora of five different strategies or yielding between 11 to 18%, depending on where your risk appetite is or your client's risk appetite is. And what tenors are you willing to commit this capital to? Because as I said, the debt AIF is a locked up product. Uh, there is illiquidity in this product. Finally, in terms of closing remarks, um, just wanted to highlight two things. One, um, the debt AIF market currently is a 50,000 crore AUM market in the country. But we think over the next few years, this will multiply from being very, very focused around a 13 to 18% return. You'll find debt mutual funds starting to come lower as far as returns are concerned by taking lower risk. But because of the taxation disparity going away, still comparatively high returns compared to a regular mutual fund or a bank fixed deposit or a regular NCD or a, or, or a government security. And that itself will explode in terms of the size of the market, as well as the categories in which the debt AIS will innovate to present a risk reward which suits a particular investor versus what has been presented so far. So I think this is this is a huge, uh, um, big market increase that we see given the taxation disparity has been taken away. And finally, in terms of um, where increds um, our own credit fund and what's our sort of strategy and what's our view around the different segments that are highlighted, we think the emerging corporate credit is amongst the best risk reward in our opinion. Uh, we've launched a fund about six months back. We've crossed 500 crores uh, uh, of fundraising. Uh, uh, it's still open for subscription because our total target is 1,000 crore. Uh, we've invested 60% of the corpus already uh, across uh, many, many uh, corporates, generating a 17.6% IRR. It's a four-year fund, so the tenor of the fund is fairly short compared to a lot of the other debt AIs. So for people or, or investors who are looking to experiment and sort of see how this asset class works for them or not, a shorter tenor fund might uh, be more uh, might make more sense versus a longer tenor fund. And it's one of the few funds that gives out monthly distributions. So like a mutual fund dividend option, this fund gives out monthly distributions to all the investors for all the interest that we collect from the underlying investments. Um, we've already made four distributions, uh, which is the last four months that we've been around and um, next one for April is gonna go out soon. So it's a monthly distribution fund, 17.6% IRR, four year door-to-door -door live, but you start getting your capital back after 18 months. And we've raised 500 crores and looking for the next 500 crores to get to a thousand crores total subscription. Um, and the return of 17.6 is at the higher end of what we think this segment should generate emerging corporate credit segment, which is lending to uh, either mid-sized corporates or corporates that are relatively not within the banking framework, given they are relatively younger or, or uh, don't have a rating that the banks need as far as lending is concerned. So that's that's one of the arbitrages that we think exists in this country where rating determines the rate of debt, whereas we think a lot of good corporates who are unrated will get rated in two years, don't get access to good debt because they're unrated. And, and that's that's our segment. So I'll, I'll pause here um, and, and uh, Vikas, um, if there is any um, questions that uh, anybody had, if you had, which we can answer, um, we could look at that. Yeah, sure. 
Yeah, so it was a great presentation. Uh, got to learn a lot about private credit. So, as I said, in the uh, first thing is that you know, so these investors who are now looking out and to identify new opportunities in the credit space, I think this makes sense for them to enter into AIFs and and these kind of AIFs. But the question is, you know, these questions are always there in their mind: is what kind of risk involved? Because you know, there's a, there's another perception in the market that any fixed income instruments offering double digit returns clearly there is something wrong at the bottom how do you handle that sort of yeah so very good question so as a, i mean i've been a debt guy all my life a credit guy rather all my life right and and i just look at one thing which is my upside is limited my downside is unlimited if i was an equity investor if i get one stock wrong i could get one stock also to be a multi-bagger right that kind of balances the return across the fund so for most a credit or a debt fund is supposed to be a capital preservation business rather than a chasing higher yields for the sake of returns second then we look at how a fund is structured the two things that we look at one is the granularity of the portfolio are we creating a fund which has 10 investments or are you creating a fund which has 25 30 investments right so that itself tells you the chance of one investment going wrong what will be the impact on the total fund performance and higher the number of investments lower the risk that the investors carry and lastly what we always look at because in these is how long is the fund which also tells you what is the underlying investment horizon that we have on some of these companies now if we were to get money for seven years from investors and lend for seven years we could target even a 20 percent return right but that looks more like equity risk to me where after seven years you get your money back I'm not sure if that is a risk that investors uh, which are looking at safer options are willing to run. That's a more an equity substitute rather than a debt plus or a enhancing the debt returns. So here, which is why the fund also that we've created is a, uh, from month 18 to month 48, the principles go back. So on an average, it's about a three-year fund. The underlying investments that we invest in are all 24 month to 30 month amortizing instruments senior secured at the corporate level where every month you get your principal and you get your interest back which is how we've created a low risk portfolio uh, but because these are corporates that are relatively younger or relatively outside the banking framework they're still able to generate these returns uh, uh, by keeping the tenor short and by keeping the portfolio concentration at four to five percent per name basis Uh, can you hear me, uh, Saurav? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you, Vikas. Yeah, yeah. So, second question is, you know, how do you sort of identify these opportunities? Because knowing the fact that you know you have some banks which are offering a lower interest, there are some NBFCs now they you know, want to compete with these banks and get aligned themselves with the same rates, and then you have yeah. private equity players like you. So, how do you sort of bring those opportunities on the table? Yeah. So, I think here. Uh origination is a big part of our competitive advantage and why we think uh, our fund uh, is rightly positioned incred uh, besides uh, wealth and uh, asset management and um, investment banking business we also run an nbfc our nbfc is now about seven year old it's a 6200 crore loan book uh, which we started back in 2016 and the nbfc has been lending to these mid-sized smaller companies for the last seven years We've lent to their dealers, we've lent to their vendors, we've lent to their customers, uh, we've lent to these companies. But there we restrict how much loan do we give to any particular corporate. Now, as these companies scale up, as these companies mature, um, we start 
uh, it, it starts becoming less relevant for the NBFC because NBFC is a more diversified granular portfolio. But these corporates then become a great source for the fund to do another loan because not just have we had the relationship with the NBFC for the last six, seven years, we've also seen their performance and their behavior during COVID, during, you know, uh, when sort of another crisis hit, phase one, phase two, when ILF has defaulted, GST reforms, demon, we've seen a lot about these companies in the last seven odd years. So that origination edge that our NBFC has already lent to some of these companies makes it a big source of differentiation for our fund compared to some of the other funds. Um, second is about um, our own ecosystem, which is uh, because we run an investment bank, we also advise some of these companies as far as equity uh, raising is concerned. And through this, we have an access to a lot of these companies much before a lot of other investors uh, because we advise these companies as far as equity raise is concerned. So to get access to these companies early on or before somebody else is also an added advantage that we bring to the table or our fund brings to the table. Okay, so you're saying that and you see that this continue to happen, like irrespective of where the interest rates are headed. What is your sense? Yeah, so I think what uh, I'll say, uh, uh, Vikas, which is uh, when we launched the fund sometime last year, we were expecting close to a 17% sort of a rate of return or IRR for the fund. But uh, through the last year, as the rate hikes have happened, the 17 could have become 17.6, 17.7. So to that extent, we have gained as far as the interest rate increase is concerned. We think the interest rate cycle will hold up. We don't see rate cuts happen anytime soon, at least in a massive manner. Remember, Indian interest rates did not go up as much as what has happened in the US or some of the other developed markets. So even if it falls, we are not seeking a big change in the rates at which we are lending to these companies. So that number of 17, 17 and a half will still remain irrespective of where the interest rate environment is. Okay, okay. So you're, you're saying that essentially, uh, well, returns are the function of the markets, of course, and the portfolio. But essentially, you're saying that these companies have a potential to sort of uh, serve uh, 10% and above, like double digit double digit it's also why why um, and i think it's a very um, counterintuitive point to most investors and very intuitive for us which is when you lend at higher interest rates we don't think a corporate should pay high interest rates for a very long period of time which is why even the tenor of the fund or the portfolio that you've created is shorter if someone says i'll give you expensive money and in one year or two years time you become eligible for banks so you can refinance us you can get cheaper debt you will take the money expensive. But if I say I'll give you expensive money for five years or 10 years, then you have to doubt what am I doing wrong? Why do I have to borrow this expensive money for that longer period? Because then I'm destroying equity value. I'm not working hard towards raising cheaper debt, right? And our pitch is simple, which is we give you two year money at any point of time. If you raise a bank debt, if you find a cheaper alternative, please pay us back because we can recycle the money to some other needy corporate. And corporates like the flexibility. They like the fact that the tenor is short. It serves a purpose till the time their bank limits are enhanced and they can get a cheaper debt to repay us and we can happily recycle the money so that short tenor with high interest rates is the combination that we think works. So now that Praveen is also here, so Praveen, uh, you know, since you had the sales at Internet Asset Management, on the one hand, you are building the capabilities for long short. On the other side, you've been running PMSs for over two and a half years now and you have multiple closures on the CAT PAI. So, can you show some? Just joining in. Okay. 
sorry, I had just uh, one second. Uh, can you, uh, Sugan, can you ask uh, Ashish to go on mute? From, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Sam, I just missed the last part of your question, Vikas, if you can. I'm saying, uh, how do you position your group? Uh, like, because on the one hand, you have alternatives, on the other side, you're building the capabilities for long shot, and you've been running AIF and PMS long only portfolios for quite some time. So the idea, to be honest, that in credit investments business, the, the business I represent and sort of is part of that as well, is to create a platform where we provide all different segments of alternative investments, whether it's a PMS or AI. So obviously long only equity becomes one part of it where we do a dedicated thematic ideas or we do a portfolios which are a little more small and mid cap heavy because that's where we add a lot of value. And that's how the team has been uh, structured in a way that they come with a background of a 15 year plus in small and mid cap because that's the most important part. On the other side, we have credit strategies where a pure play alternated to low yielded versus the category we sort of just talked about. And then you have absolute return quantitative based and going forward. Also, the idea of the group is to create a platform where anything other than the traditional mutual funds, we should be able to give investment solutions for alternatives and pure play sticking around to AIF and PMS itself. So just to give a sense that we might be coming out in next calendar year or this calendar year, next financial year, uh, unlisted private equity or something. So anything which would need an alternative investment platform, we would be ready to provide solutions. The way we, as a group, we have approached, we have first created capabilities with experienced team members uh, across each of the product categories. Uh, each team is very, very different than one. So there's no overlap in terms of so we have created those investing capabilities and then structured uh, products which suits the current environment like uh, one of the unique features in our credit fund itself is a monthly payout distribution uh, amortization of principal back from underlying on a monthly basis etc so trying to create short duration so we'll keep structuring uh, market sensitive and most relevant uh, investment solutions on the alternate platform so we'll see more such uh, unique ideas coming out of our use my last question, Praveen, before we conclude the session, so we are running short of time here, is that, you know, in last 18 months, we've not seen in investors making money and especially the, at times, these especially large HNIs and ultra-HNIs investors, they run out of time or their patience is very, very low, you know. So they meet with an accident, they redeem the funds, etc. So my question to you, because you had the sales, do, are you witnessing inflow in the industry, more particularly in AIF, the DMS number one? Number two, you think these investors are becoming more and more mature and they are sticking to the fund that they've invested. So uh, compared to a few years back, the churn has been very low in the industry. Uh, so obviously there has been a lot of education and maturity of the investors. So we think the uh, money flow from mutual funds to AIFs is going to be far more going forward uh, because we have been able to showcase differentiation as an industry and able to showcase outperformance to traditional mutual funds uh, for whether it's debt, whether it's equity or mix of that. Uh, so that flow of money or reallocation of money from uh, MFs uh, or traditional asset classes to alternates is going to continue. Uh, as a house also, we have seen uh, last financial year, we have more than doubled, uh, especially for the credit fund in a space of four months, we have been able to do 500 plus assets uh, commitments and we already deployed a lot of it so i think the trend is going to fast track uh, and platform like yours or similar platform which have educated the investors a lot more uh, are getting attracted towards AIF and pmss and 
the allocation which used to be 10% i think is going to 30 40 50% uh, very soon sure so great with that would like to conclude the session i take this opportunity to thank saurabh for taking the time out joining the session educating all our investors simplifying what is cat to debt investments and you know uh, i i hope that these investors would be able to take this forward so thank you and thank you pravin for helping us to put up this beautiful thank you guys thank you vikas for having us thank you thank you